This is In Search of the Pluriverse. We are Sophie Creer and Eric Vaughn. Join us in our search for a world in which many worlds can thrive. We were invited by Het Nieuwe Instituut to be the first curators of their traveling academy. For more context, go to pluriverse.hetnieuweinstituut.nl And follow us on Instagram at In Search of the Pluriverse. Okay, dear listeners, we're back in Casablanca. I'm here with Ruben Dario Kleimeer. We've already been through a chain of events, <laughs> which happens when two Dutch guys go on into the city on their own. We don't speak French. We don't speak Jediba. So there were many misunderstandings with the cab driver, with a group of women from the Red Cross who approached us, who wanted something from us that we didn't understand. And now we are on uh, the square, which is called Place de Nation d'Uni. And this is a place that uh, Ruben chose to have this conversation on. And, and Ruben is a photographer. I will take now the, the moment to introduce Ruben to you as listeners. Ruben Dario Kleimier, that's your artist name. You were born in Colombia in 1978. And um, you portray the urban landscape and the public sphere. And uh, you do that with the medium photography. And with that photography, you analyze and try to have a better understanding of urban spaces. And you almost have the gaze of an urban ethnographer, a researcher of the spatial and the social. And you explore the built environment in which we live, work and dwell. Um, and you do that uh, preferably in many different places. COVID kept you as all of us home for a long time, but you spent quite some time in China making photographs. And now we're here in Casablanca. And you took me to this square. Let's take some time to just describe to the listeners and to ourselves what we see. Because making radio about photography is not an easy thing to do. Hello there. We're in a quite a spacious square, I'd say. And there, there's, a, there's a little promenade going on right in front of us. As in most of Casablanca, palm trees align the promenade. There's benches in between, people chilling on the benches. But in general, we're at this transport hub. There's buses in the back, there's trams on the right, there's cabs in the far end left. And we, we passed by last night uh, on this square, on foot, and it was, uh, it must have been about seven at night, and there was action, there was, there was something buzzing on this square. And now during the daytime, it, which is a completely different uh, light, True. a completely different vibe, what's, what, what's the difference between last night and this morning? I, I, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that people still take a solid time out on the square, in a way. We are sitting under a tree on a bench. Again, we're facing a, a, quite a row of benches. Half of them are occupied, and people don't really seem to be in a hurry, do they? So, um, in comparison to last night, there was even more coming and going, I'd say. But... Um, as noticed by Muna before, this is one of those squares and hubs 
which will take you into different neighborhoods of the city. And the Muna you talk about is Muna Belgrini, and she was our guide yesterday. Yesterday we had a very intense day. We'll, we will try to, to make sense of it mm -hmm. in this talk. Because that's maybe the, um, the interesting part of your work, but also my work as a podcast maker. But you as a photographer, you come somewhere, a place you don't know, and you immediately have to make sense of it. Yeah, you have to capture it in an image, and we have to capture it in, in a conversation. In 2010, we, Sophie Krier and I, lived and worked for three months in Casa, as locals call Casablanca. The aim was to embrace the city as a place of production and to make a portrait of its hidden qualities. We named it Easy Casa, Ville Inventive. The resulting exhibition was an optimistic tribute to the resourcefulness of a thriving city. Many questions, however, were left unanswered once the residency was over. For instance, the fragility and invisibility of the quite substantial informal economy and the large-scale gentrification of the city through capital investors. More than 10 years and a pandemic later, we returned to Casa in search of who makes the city, who owns it, and who is granted access to it. So, I really like to start this conversation by just being here, sitting down. Um, so about yesterday, Ruben. Um, we started here for our evening trip, right, a tram ride. Right, right. But in the morning we visited a square and a neighborhood and a lake. Yes. Um, apart from being our podcast guest, you are also active as a photographer, so you mm -hmm. take pictures. Mm -hmm. Can you describe one of the pictures you took and how how for you a picture comes to life how comes do you yeah comes into being how do you construct an image well yesterday we collectively visited an area on which was on the south or southwest end of the city which was uh, centered around a local lake what's the name of the lake again <laughs> it is luck yeah we, we had to look it up it's luck uh, Carriere, which is more like a quarry. It's 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 a former place where they uh, where they delved stones and rocks to build the port with. Um, and it's and the company that made that quarry was called Schneider. So it's Lac Carriere, which is quarry Schneider. Yes. So on arrival, we we met up on a square, and we started walking in the direction of the lake. We walked in between housing blocks which were set up in a kind of grid structure. But every time we, we would cross a street, you could see the granite wall where the stones had been delved. And uh, I was kind of interested in that. And it continued all the way up to the lake. When we got to the lake, there on the left-hand side, there was a, let's say, a sports facility where buses would show up with, with school kids. And we, we circled around the lake. Uh, and the lake itself had a nice green patch around it where a special bird would uh, inhabit the space. And that, that, that caught wow. my attention, yeah. It was quite an impressive colony of birds. Yeah, yeah. 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 They were quite loud and they definitely uh, owned the space. They claimed the space in a way. 
welcome, Ruben, in your own studio in the heart of Rotterdam. Four months after we visited Casablanca, and uh, I'm here to look with you at the photos you took. And time has passed, and we're back in our own environment, so this is a good moment to look back. It absolutely is, and it's a pleasure to have you, have you and me study the works for a bit more. We will revisit the lake that we talk about in our talk and look at the three photos that resulted from the visit to the lake and that neighborhood. We will look at three photos of the beach and we will look at the people queuing up for the cabs at the, at the square where we recorded the conversation. So let's start with the, the lake, Ruben. We approached the lake and I stumbled upon, let's say, a little artificial island where, where birds just started inhabiting the, the bushes. And there was one little, uh, it felt like an electricity house, which, which made for a little vista to observe the birds, catch a glimpse of the lake and uh, the rock formation, which, which enables the, the housing to take place on the top. It looks like an interesting combination of the non-human and the human. So the birds seem to lead quite a chaotic life because they scatter around. And in the back you see the, this urban sprawl, you know, these, these apartment blocks where apparently people live. So it's a very nice contrast between two colonies, a human one and a, and a non-human one. And you, you approached, you could come quite close to them. Yeah, you just... Respect the territory and keep a certain distance. But then again, they were there long. They are there longer than I am. I'm just a visitor. They are at home. Well, uh, yes, it starts with observing a place and try to try to dissect the ingredients which make this place. And in, in this case, it was the lake, the granite wall, the housing around it, and let's say the green, let's say the green and the birds. You, you try to look for uh, the most clear and readable vantage point on how the next one, the viewer, will understand what that place has looked like what it would be like to visit this place. And I try to bring it as simple as possible. But why then, because it's a very deliberate choice, why do you slow down so much? Because Muna Belgrini, we mentioned her before, right. she was our guide. Well, she's this super active, neurotic almost Instagrammer, and she makes like a thousand photographs in yeah. the time that you make one. Yeah. And we live in fast times, so mm -hmm. there's this phone, we take a photo, we immediately you know, share it with the world. There's no room in between. Mm. And it's a fast pace. And you say, not for me. I'm no. going to set up my tripod. I'm going to choose my position very precisely. No. Why? Why, why, do, why? Why is that? It brings you something. Yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't do it. No, that's true. And, and I like that it's a, it's a deliberate pace. It's a, it's a conscious decision to try and do one thing right. Because if you do it right once, 
it'll last for a long, long time. Yeah, in reality, that means you can only do like two, three, perhaps four good images in one day. That, that's, that's a lot. To me, that's a lot, you know? So what you actually say is that you take more time to make a picture, it will, its meaning will last longer or it has more impact also in the future, maybe. Is that what you say? Yes, like I a sort of a timelessness yeah. that enters the, the photo? Yeah. Yes, I'd say so. I think it's... Um, in this instance, we only spent two, three hours, three hours at the lake, perhaps. But this, this image will last for a long time. The image will be around in 50 years' times as well. So, so I see it as my mission to, to bring the ingredients in such a way that it's understandable for the next, for the viewer, for the next person to see the image. So I try to, try to address the, the location in such a clear language that anyone can relate to it. You showed me some, some pictures from your from previous projects. And uh, what occurs to me is that almost always seem to choose for a very wide perspective. And a lot of things are going on in one image. There's no like, a, oh, it's about this in this image. There's a lot going on, parallel. So you're wondering over the image like, oh, you know, where should I look? Is it this woman in the red dress or the red skirt? Are there those other people doing something I cannot really determine, but I'm curious what they do? Is that how you want to, people to look at your work? That they sort of wonder that the gaze cannot pinpoint a certain element, in, one element in the picture? It, it's portraits of a certain place. And the place is even bigger than what the image can, can show. But there's, there's elements in on location which demand further study or which demand delving into which you want to relate to which you want to be a part of and it's usually more situations than one so yes i I kind of step back and try to invite the viewer in this is what the space looks like this is what what's happening on a particular day time night location yeah but the funny thing is that now you say that that it a photo still takes, you know, a part of a second to take. Mm-hmm. But with your photography, you seem to say, no, the time, eh, the, 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 how do you say that, the aperture? Mm-hmm. The, the, the shutter the, speed. The, the shutter, shutter speed yeah. is not actually the time that the lens is open. It's the time that I was there. Mm-hmm. And I installed myself. And it, it's also an, almost an invitation to the viewer, let, uh, sit down, mm-hmm. have a look. Yeah. What's going on yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah. So we're now at this square. We're still under the tree. Um, because there is a tension between the solid... I mean, we're not living in a maquette, so you cannot sort of freeze the moment. So mm-hmm. there is a dynamic. There are birds flying around. There are people crossing. So in the time you set up your tripod and your camera, things have changed. Mm-hmm. So how does the dynamic of, of the social movements and the solid space the city is, how does, how does that relate to the slowness of your photography? Because you, you also miss things. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes, I do. But that's, uh, 
that's a part of the deal. I must admit, every now and then, there's times where I, where I wish I was a filmer. Where I just wish I could have set up a, a roll of film which would last for 25 minutes and just let it go. Just, just take the viewer on board on, on the motion that's happening on, in a certain place. But, uh, but, but again, that's, that's a kind of anti-choice. Because then you're trying to talk about everything which is happening in a certain space. But, I tr but in my images, I think I've made a deliberate choice to make a something which was taking place in a particular place to make that the centerpiece of the image. Yeah, yeah and maybe your phot photos are movies that only last a part of a second mm -hmm. in reality, mm -hmm. but you feel that it... There was something so, before, there was something after. Yeah, and you feel that presence. Yeah. And you feel that, that there's, that's a bigger chunk of time mm -hmm. was needed to take this picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in the talk we, we, we reflected a bit on the, on the idea of the shutter time, which mm -hmm. is the actual time that you that needs mm -hmm. that you need to take the picture, but um, that you sort of take a lot of more time to take the picture, and that somehow reflects in the photographs. And I must say that that's proven right because it's. Let's let's move to the pictures of the beach, for instance. <laughs> let's start with the with the with the guys playing football on the beach, right? On the edge of sea and beach, there's this football field being drawn in the sand, like super temporarily. There's a line, eh? with your foot you draw a line in the sand. The guys playing football brought their own goals, so it looks quite official in a way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We set up a Deliberate. field and we Deliberate. play. But at the same time, <laughs> the field sort of fades into the sea. Yeah, it, it puzzled me a lot. And it was, and it was such a, it felt like a really big, big catch, basically. And I thought it was the, there, there was a sense of freedom in the air. Uh, like uh, a lot of the inhabitants of the city who live nearby the beach absolutely use the, the vastness of the sandy beaches as a big public space. And they, well, I think we think of playing football on the grass, which is keenly nurtured. But this is just accustomed to a piece of land which, is, which can actually handle it in such a way. So, so it, was really, it was really thankful to be an onlooker to people playing their favorite sport and kind of denying that the incoming tide, the water, was partially uh, overflooding the football pitch. But it was just about play. People were just enjoying the game of soccer. It was so nice. Yeah, but with the tide coming in, there's the, 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 the idea of time is also in the picture mm -hmm. because you feel that they cannot do this for much longer because the field will be gone after a couple of minutes or half an hour. 
And I agree with you that it feels like free. And it literally is a very horizontal image. There's no structure of power in it. Mm -hmm. Everybody is being their own person and it looks in a way controlled, but also super uncontrolled. Because there's all, there are also people watching the game and further on there are people doing a, completely something else. So there's a lot going on in, in that image. So now we're in the inner city of Casablanca. Yesterday we had, apart from visiting the lake and that social housing neighborhood that we visited, we at night uh, left from this square for a tram ride that took us all the way almost to the end station of, of the tram line. And um, I was really blown away by the change of scene. Mm. I don't know, can you describe what it did for you? Because that's more important right now. What, what, what happened when you, when you left the tram and we were there? Yeah, there was a local dynamic. There was a lot of activity. Perhaps that kind of underlines in what kind of a metropolitan we actually are. Because from the Dutch perspective, if you take the tram, ride it out to the last stop, you usually end up in suburbia where life is way more quiet. And in here, you end up in a, a neighborhood which is, well, I don't know, six, eight kilometers from here. But it's still happening. It's very much happening. Um, Samba was actually telling uh, out of the approximately four million people, three million people li live in neighborhoods like we've visited just yesterday. So there's a, there's a big ring of this type of activity uh, away from the city center where we are right now. But did you have any, um, you didn't take any pictures because it was not, we didn't have time to mm -hmm. slow down. Mm -hmm. That was basically maybe the reason why you didn't. Yeah. Or are those places too much for you? Because there's so much yeah. energy and yeah. movement. Yeah. No, I, I have a weak spot for, for activity like that. I do have a weak so spot for it. So you would set up your camera there? Yes, but uh, in order to take it in, I would usually step back or step up in order to get a... Get set yourself over, apart to get an overview from the situation. of what's actually happening. And I've, I've come to realize that going up like one or two or three stories, so that means like six or eight meters in height, usually gives you the overview on a situation which is just hard to grasp from eye level. And it, it, it's kind of uh, and it makes you reduces. And the it makes you feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, in a way, in a way, in a way. There's a bit of control when you look at something from above. It's not for no reason that we are sitting under the tree in the central axis of the square. At the far end. At the far end, Having yeah. Having an overview. Having an overview. I think you can relate to we on the square are being the drummer of the band. We're in the back of the podium, overlooking the whole thing. And this is a super, it's a comfortable place to be. It, it's, it's observing it from the back. But the drummer sets the tone, eh? the drummer puts a sort of rhythmic the, layer the, the under the music. Layer. Absolutely, absolutely. But and are we, uh, where are we in that metaphor as drummers? 
Do we set the pace? Do we set the tone? In the images, yes, I'd say so. I'd say so. Actually, the drummer translates whether we are listening to a slow or quick song or up-tempo song. Okay, so you're the drummer in the band. Let's yeah. stick with that. Yeah. And you love to sort of step away a little bit from the scene and, and, and have an overview, like yeah. literally, like elevate yourself yeah. or step back or step out of the action. But sometimes, and that makes us, that makes your profession also interesting, you are part of it no matter what. Yeah. So another moment from yesterday night that I like to get mm -hmm. back to is that we visited this other uh, neighborhood, Mohamedi, which is famous for its architecture and the, the way it over time was adapted by its inhabitants. Mm -hmm. So at that neighborhood, which was a very sort of not intimidating, and, I, and then I'm, you know, today we are sort of lost in translation, like uh -huh. literally, and uh -huh. we're strangers and we cannot really communicate very well. So yesterday I was so grateful for Sambas, yeah. Sumbunu, yeah. as a guide, and Muna, Belgrini, and right. they are so streetwise yeah. and they are so... Yeah. True. in touch with what goes on so I felt very safe but it was quite an intrusion huh? yeah. Of, of, yeah. of a sort of a, almost it was public space but it felt so private that yeah. neighborhood yeah. and then all of a sudden there was an incident it was very intense huh? a, a woman started screaming all of a sudden from all sides in the neighborhood people came running towards the scene there was a lot of adrenaline in the air yeah. and we our reaction was to, to, to get out of it and then there was this boy who was fleeing for the police and he was almost run over by a scooter and then he stood up and he ran and he bumped into you. Yeah. So sometimes you, you are part of the situation, you cannot step back. Do you recognize these situations because you travel, you, you engage with the places you're in and you reacted quite intuitively. You engage with the boy. Can you get that moment back and can you say, huh, as, as opposed to being this distant, being the drummer in the band, taking a distance, sometimes you can't. So what happened for you at that moment? Yeah, it's true. We were visiting this neighborhood, must have been 10, 10 at night. Uh, it was dark, obviously. Uh, here and there, there were like groups of boys just chilling on a scooter and sort of hanging around as they would do in their local neighborhood. We were obviously the visitor coming in to have a look at how certain buildings have changed over time. Yeah, guided by locals. Muna and Samba definitely made us feel comfy. Um, it's a kind of trip you wouldn't necessarily do on your own. And, I, and I'd, I'd be a little hesitant to set up a camera later that night solo. Uh, moi, moi, moi. Perhaps I wouldn't. Perhaps I wouldn't. Yeah, so we're trying to make a bit of sense about yesterday, mm -hmm. which is pretty hard because it was so, there was so much and there mm -hmm. were so many contrasts mm -hmm. also in scale mm -hmm. and the intimacy and the class and money mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. and how this capital distributes itself over the city mm -hmm. and who owns the city also uh, property-wise yeah. and square meters-wise. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So yesterday you also visited this luxury bubble, almost like the Zuidas in Amsterdam, uh -huh, it looks uh -huh, like. It uh -huh. has this sort of very international... Appearance. Appearance with these architectural sort of sublime buildings. It was called the Anvar 
Uh, Anfu Park. Anfu Park. Ja. Of Anfa Park. Oh ja, Anfa Park. Anfa Park. Ja. It was built um, apparently with a lot of international money on the former uh, air airport airport base. Uh, base. Ja. So what did you make of it? And were you able to take pictures there? <laughs> So we've, we've passed by this place on our way to the lake. And yes, I took a mental note. Let, let's see if I can come back in a later instance with the camera. So that's what I did after visiting the lake. Ah, yeah, it's, it's not the first time that I've seen a central business district being built. And yes, that comes with ambitions and with money and with wealthy dreams about the future, how international economy can, can thrive and can be uh, located in a certain area of the city. And with that, uh, yes, there was a park in the making. I was after that, uh, trying to go to, to, a, to the park as a, as, as a visitor. But I got pulled over at the gate where you enter the park and where there's, uh, well, not sirens, but at least speakers, which publicly announce like, this park opens at eight o'clock and closes at eight at night. And yes, there was a guard with a, with a metal, metal detector who would instantly state like, yes, you are welcome, but your tripod is not. Was it being seen as a weapon or as a danger or? Was it the camera that they were afraid of? Uh, no, what did no, you make no. of it? I, I, uh, the tripod was visible. The camera was in the bag. But the, the tripod kind of is a, is a denominator for, well, someone is making imagery and he's very conscious about it. So what will you do with this imagery, which we as a guard cannot control? So therefore we say, no, 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 no pictures on the tripod. And that, and that kind of sets the tone for the space, right? Like it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of park where there's a policy of don't walk on the grass. You're not allowed to do A, B, C and D. It's restricted in certain areas and ah, come on. That's a, that's a kind of limiting force from the get-go. So how public is this park? As much as I enjoy being in Casablanca, and enjoy staring at the palm trees. There is green around, but public parks, in comparison to the population and the size of the city, are few and far between. And this newest park is not necessarily a nice addition to what's there at this moment. Well, and apparently also not for everyone. No. And that is uh, maybe also why yesterday was so intense and so confusing, at least for me, is that there's so many contrasts. Mm -hmm. So you have these neighborhoods that are, you know, overflowing with energy and you it's not even it's, it's beyond feeling welcome. You're part of it because you're, you know, you're in this sea of people mm -hmm. and you move along. But at the same time, in the same city, not that far away from it, these sort of international Powerhouses. Powerhouses yeah. are being built, which also comes with a restriction in who, who's welcome here and mm -hmm. who's not. Mm -hmm. So while traveling through all these areas and all these worlds within worlds, you could mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, what do you make of that? And I know that's, that's, no, that's no, difficult. Actually, I, I think you've captured it very well. It's microcosmoses in certain corners of the city. And in a way, yeah, who am I to show you an image of Casablanca on visiting from a Monday to Friday? Please don't, uh, 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 I, I, I really enjoy, if you can enjoy the images, but, but it's hard to put a certain value on the validity of these images when I've only visited for a midweek. What I can do is, well, try to bring an interest for urban space, for urban planning, for architectural phenomena to a certain location and try to address it in a photographic image. And if I'm able to do that, like Monday, Tuesday, up to Friday, once, twice, three times a day, that means I'll be back with about 10 images, which, which share a certain portion of space of Casablanca and how people either use this space adapt to the space or even claim the space and build a relationship to where these people live, work, dwell, what they do there. Is it comfortable? Is it not? Is it for everyone? Is it open? Is it not? If I'm able to address this through the lens of the camera, yeah, it's been, a, it's been, a, it's been worthwhile coming here. Yeah. And now we're at the end of the talk. Are you going to set up here for, to take in a picture today or not? So last night when we came in, we took a tram. While on the left hand, there's a, there's a row of white taxis. Uh -huh. But last night in rush hour, there was a, a, a queue, a line of 25, 30 people waiting to get to the white taxis. These white taxis kind of do a cross-town traffic, while the petit taxi, they take you for a local ride. Um, this row of people must have been a way to show the inhabitants of Casablanca in all their diversity, traveling from A to B, starting at this particular With particular all different square. destinations. Absolutely. That's an image I'm absolutely after. Um, let's move on to the to the people waiting for the for the cabs uh, at at the square where we uh, where we did the interview. What can you say about all these people queuing up? So so as as open as the image on the beach was, uh, I think that there's a reason why this image came last. Because after three, four, five days on the camera, I kind of had the courage to, to go up to the square and to present myself with the camera and with the dark cloth and, and with the tripod and to kind of be, to, to shift the attention to me, basically. It was very visible that I was making a photograph of them and, and, and it, it wasn't that well received. Uh, 
you shouldn't do it again, basically. You know, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, the most polite thing to do. So you shifted a bit from the drummer to the lead singer of the band. In a sense, in a sense. And, uh, and, and I didn't get in trouble for it, but I could kind of sense that, yeah. In a, in, in a, in a way, these people are visually a bit trapped. You know, they're in line and they want to stay in line. Yeah. They don't want to give up, up their space, so they're not going to walk off. But some people definitely uh, turn, either turned their back to me or blocked their face with, a, with their bag or with a piece of paper or, or just uh, um, turned their face away from the camera, basically. I would have loved to see the image that they saw, you under the cloth at the other side of the street. That would be super interesting. <laughs> so it was a semi-ballsy thing to do. But I thought the collection of people made for such a nice diversity of what I've seen all through the week. And actually, I, I recall this image pretty often. Often in here, uh, I look at the bus stop or the tram stop and, and, or, or stand at the train station and maybe wish to do another image like that, basically. But maybe also because of the discomfort it made you feel. There, there is a, a level of discomfort, but, but visually, with the image, I'm super happy. I can only bump into it or, or have some antennas for when situations like these will happen. Yeah. And uh, yes, every now and then you're lucky. So good luck with that, and I'm really looking forward to, to see what comes out of it. And then I would like to suggest that we go to the other side of the square. Uh -huh. so we, do, we take the underpass. Okay. This sort of fairly new right. underpass. And there's a very nice uh, donut stand there. <laughs> so can I treat you for a donut? Absolutely. Okay, yes, please. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Cheers. In Search of the Pluriverse is part of the Traveling Academy, an initiative of Het Nieuwe Institute in close partnership with the Consulate General in Istanbul and embassies in Germany, Morocco, Spain and the UK. The Traveling Academy brings together makers from these regions and the Netherlands to learn how formal and informal ways of knowing can support each other in tackling ecological, sociopolitical and spatial issues.